Snap Studios. Listen, it is very simple. When someone tells you that their house is haunted, believe them. From Snap Judgment's underground lair, you are listening to Spooked. Stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. From KQED and PRX, you've crossed over to Spooked. My grandmother told me that after she passed, she told me exactly where she was going to sit. Which was exactly where she always sat. In the front room, next to the TV, in her cushion chair. And nobody else better not ever sit here, neither. Not ever. Mm-hmm. She said no one was to disturb her blankets, either. That she laid them blankets over the chair like that for a reason. And to keep your nasty hands off them. And there won't be no trouble. You hear me, baby? Yes, am I know you hear me. But the rest of you fools better hear me, too. My cousins, my uncles, my aunties, they scattered when Granny was in her mood. I said, did you hear me? I'm going to sit right there in that chair, and I'm finally going to get my rest, baby. And after she passed, after the flowers, after the singing, after the preachers, after the funeral, and after the food, Granny's chair and Granny's blankets, they did stay right where she left them. Stayed there for a long, long time. But after some setbacks, some criminality, after some tragedy, my family doesn't own that home anymore. Some other family does. And I always felt bad for them. Because if they thought to mess with the decor to move that chair or touch those blankets. Well, they were going to pay. My name is from Washington and Spook starts now. Those of you who have walked this path and opened these doors with us may recall a few episodes back when we heard a story from a man named Daniel Joseph 
about the time he was working a drywall job and came face to face with a decaying head. Since then, you've asked for more Daniels or friends. More Daniel you shall have. What I do for a living is uh, Monday through Thursday, I run a drywall business in central Wisconsin. On the weekends, I work in a metal fab, cutting parts out of sheets of steel, working three 12-hour shifts. I'm a father of five kids. I'm the first three from a first marriage, which uh, they'd see me on weekends. Oh, my daughter was born in 2009. Um, we noticed that she would be acting like she was talking with somebody and are interacting and playing and laughing and being scared of somebody that we could not see. And she went through a spell there for, I want to say, two years. Uh, my daughter would wake up like between 3 and 3.30 like every single night of her life having these insane screams. We took her to a doctor, a family doctor, and night terrors or something is what the doctors told us we were confused and definitely scared because um, normally you know if she was scared of something while she was awake you could hug her talk to her I mean in this time of night you couldn't her eyes wouldn't even open up you know you couldn't touch her if you touch her she would just act like it hurt and scream even more and, and just wanted you to get away from her But sometimes when she, near the end of those actually, she would wake up and talk to us. And then she would start screaming and, and pointing. The kids are jumping on my bed. We didn't know what to think. So at this point, my wife would grab the camera and start snapping off pictures. And that's when we started seeing all these the orbs, I guess people are calling them, but the little balls of light all over, like, the top of her bed, everywhere. And, like, you know, what the, what the hell is that? So it's a DSLR, Canon, and we're seeing all these little dots of light all up and around my daughter's bed. Uh, we, we've been through the dust test with this before. Um, we would just take random pictures in the room, and ask our daughter, actually, do you see anything there? She would say no, and we're taking pictures. Absolutely nothing there. There's no orbs, there's no dust, there's no lights, there's nothing. It's a normal picture. It's a clean, clear picture of the room. Yet when my daughter points to something and says, they're right there in a specific area, and you can see it in her face that she is definitely seeing something because she is terrified while she's pointing, and you take pictures and you see it on the screen with the camera, the lights, the orbs, whatever you want to call them, they're everywhere in that area she's pointing to. But I want to I want to talk about one of the stories with my daughter. Okay, this isn't just night terrors. There's more to it. I believe she was three years old. We have never like talked about any of that ghost or spirits. So one night, um, my daughter woke up. Um, we thought she was having the night terrors, but she kind of snapped out of it. 
and uh, she was screaming for us. I, I grabbed her, picked her up, and so I turned around. We kind of walked fast down the hallway towards my bedroom to put her in there, but we stop in the doorway because she starts to scream, and this is where she's kind of more terrified of what she sees in here. And she's pointing to above my bed, and she's like, Daddy, Daddy, the old man, he's right there above your bed. And she says it's like an old man's face is what she would see. I mean, she was trying to basically hide her face into my shoulder and everything. I'm getting angry, <laughs> honestly. I'm trying to protect my child, you know. Um, and so we go down the hallway, and I ask her, going down the hallway... Do you see anything in the kitchen? And she's like, no, no, there's nothing in the kitchen. So we go into the kitchen and we sit down. And we're trying to comfort her. And not sure what to do, because what do you do in a situation like this? Wait it out is what we decide to do. Um, and everybody's like, well, just get the hell out of there. Well, you can't. You've got a house full of stuff. But in, and I try not to give it any attention. We've learned this from from talking with other people in the ghost business, I suppose. They, you know, we've heard ignore it and don't give it the attention it's seeking, and life will be a lot more peaceful. And that's kind of the route we're we're taking now. But sometimes you still can't. It was a few months later. One of my older kids, I believe he was probably about. 16 or 17, he'd come for the weekend. He was an A student. He was uh, made the state teams for baseball, football, and basketball, actually. Yeah, he had come for a weekend visit. And uh, uh, <laughs> one night uh, he had been in the, in the basement. The basements in these houses that we live in are usually finished basements. We had made a video, trying to do like a music video with him or something, or he was just goofing around. Regardless, we had a video camera going, and there was a... Yeah, we didn't notice it while we were filming it. We went back to look at it um, to do some editing, and we see this ball of light. It was kind of like floating up behind him, around the ceiling and stuff. And actually, at one point, the ball of light, like an orb on the video, it like flew from the ceiling, kind of curved around in front of his face, and like it, it went like through his head, through the video, and then back up on the ceiling, and it was just playing around and stuff. We all kind of freaked out. He's like, oh, that's just creepy, you know? Uh, I, I don't even want to be here if it's going to happen like this. It was around like at three o'clock in the morning. Um, I was, I was actually in my bedroom. I hear my son screaming for help. He's screaming, uh, there, and he's yelling about an old man. I get out of my bed. I run down the hallway to the basement door, and all these boxes were just like stacked up in front of his door. It was a few boxes deep, and in, in this very tall, almost to the ceiling. And I was like, what, what in the hell is this? What's going on down here? They were large, somewhat heavy boxes. It would take hours to actually do this. And he's just screaming for me, Dad, Dad, there's a man in my room. He's watching my TV. And I was like, what, 
what? I'm digging through the boxes, actually. I'm, I'm pushing boxes over. Enough to I grabbed the door handle, which had no locks on them. None. The door's locked. I, I can't... I can't get through the, the door handle. Uh, this was actually in the winter time because they run back upstairs. I put my boots on, my snow boots on, and run out of the house, around to the back, where you know he's got his the crawl space windows in the basement rooms. I can see through his window, through the curtain, because there, there there was a you know just like a lacy kind of curtain, see-through curtains, and I see a man sitting in a chair. The you know reflection of the the lights from the TV are are lighting this man's face and his body up in the chair and and my kids sit on his bed like frozen with his 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 fist up by his face his blanket on him and he just in there like just his eyes are wide open and he's he's screaming he's like help me help me whatever dad help me get get this guy out of here whatever I can't move. My heart is, is pounding. It's, it's pounding. I'm terrified. I'm scared. I'm scared shitless. Yet, I'm ready to get in here and kill somebody. Why is there a man in my house, in my kids' room, and in my basement at three o'clock in the morning? There's no. There's no footprints in the snow. There. There was nothing in the snow. You know, I, I'm actually in pajama pants and, and a t-shirt, and my snow boots. And I, I kicked through the window. I busted up the window, jumped through that broken ass window, and I, I'm watching this man as I'm doing this. And he just he vanished. Just he kind of looked over, like in the area of where I was, kind of looked over by me, and just vanished. My kid all of a sudden wasn't feeling like he was being held down anymore or squeezed either. He said he he just felt freed up. He was free, and he's jumping out of the bed. He's he's trying to get through the door while I'm coming through the window and I'm yelling for him to just freaking stop don't move just stop I'm gonna find this fucker I'm gonna kill him don't move stay on that bed don't move but you know I look under the bed I look in the closet still there's nobody there he he just disappeared he was just gone it's just the guy was gone I I grabbed this door we pushed the door open and moved boxes and stuff like that. We, He ran his butt upstairs real quick. I kind of looked around in the basement. Where'd this guy go? I go back up. We're all sitting in the kitchen area. The the, the worst part, the, the guy out of nowhere shows up outside the window, like out our kitchen window. We see him just peering through the window. man has like white hair with the old white shirt and like a black coat staring through the window but he's got like eyes his eyes are kind of what I remember he's focused on me he's staring at me now oh my god that was real that he's there shit my, my son was watching him too so it's, it's one of those moments where you got it's not just me but there's somebody else there watching my wife is actually watching too and everybody can confirm it, the same thing. We're all like, what did you just see? I just seen this, and oh my God, what can you do? I don't know. I, I don't have answers. What are, you, what are you supposed to do? 
you know, I'm dead. I'm their protector, so I have to look and act fearless as I am yet, I'm afraid. Like any any smart person would be. <laughs> I yelled at him a lot. Get out of my house. If I get in there, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to catch you. I'm going to kill you. Get out of my house. And then, of course, he vanished or was just gone again. I would like to think that I was something special to be able to just scare him off, yes. I don't know. I'm a big dude, too. I mean, I'm a martial artist and all that stuff, too. And it'd be cool to to think that, but I'm not going to be arrogant about it like that. Never, never seen that again. Never heard anybody speak of the old man again after that. My son, like, you know, he went back to his mother's. I'm not going to stick around no more. But he, he never really came back for any overnight visits. Honestly, that, that really kind of hurt. But I, I, I understand. You have no answers either. Nobody does. Because how do you deal with that? You, you can't. I'll, I'll burn some sage or whatever in your house. Uh, get out of here with that. No, no thanks. Um, here's what, my, what I have to say to non-believers. There's something creepy, and it's bothering my kids. It's in my house. It, it looked at me. It's something is there, period. I'm not going to deny it. If you want to deny it, that's your business. Daniel Joseph. Now when Spook returns, the lesson you should already have learned by now, didn't I inform you when we started? If someone tells you that the place is haunted, believe them. In just a moment, stay tuned. cracking jokes there is a time for that but certain things you never joke about and our next storyteller Nido she didn't understand this basic concept well some lessons you have to learn the hard way Yeah, you move my feet a little bit because uh, let me find a comfortable position first and talk about the story. Okay. Nita was a freshman in school for design at a university in the city of Taipei in northern Taiwan. Taipei is a metropolitan city that has a lot of trees, a lot of people, a lot of scooters. She and her boyfriend, Charlie, 
They needed a place to live that was close to campus. And they found the perfect apartment. Three bedrooms, two baths. Yeah, it was a great catch. You know, it's just fun to stay away from your parents and live with your boyfriend and your classmates. And we set up like a PS station. So we have like mahjong table and we always have beer in the fridge. The only thing that seemed a little off was the staircase to nowhere. And on the sixth floor, uh, the landlord had that kind of rooftop apartment on top and then build the stairs into it. But then she wanted to rent that part out, so they just permanently sealed that staircase with a lock. So there's like permanent um, stairs in our apartment, go to the sixth floor, but the, the door can never open, kind of, kind of creepy in that way. So I was laying in bed, I remember the light coming from the living room. And Charlie just suddenly woke up after midnight. And then he walked towards the living room. And I presumed that he was going to go play some more game online. He just froze right by the bedroom door. And I remembered how odd it was because he was standing there for a minute or even two. And the sudden he just like ran back to the bed and then covered himself. He was just shaking and scared. I'm just the like, pure fear there. And he just like, can you just please go to check if there's someone in the bathroom? I'm like, okay. So I walk out. And I checked, there wasn't anyone there. So I checked everywhere, you know, the whole house, there was no one there. So I come back and he said, please close that door. So I closed that door. And he said he saw a girl with really long hair walking to that bathroom. I don't think I had any feeling about it. I was just listening and then accept that what he see, what he see. I really thought he was just dreaming. I think he just woke up and he his head wasn't clear. And he saw some random things and he just make it all up in his head. During the second year, we got another roommate, and his name is Vincent. We just tell, you know, Vincent, we have a spare room. It's close to school, and we'll give you cheap rent. And he's like, deal. He's like this really um, tall guy with glasses. He's a big guy. He's not like a small, easy, scared person. I think it was the third day. So the third day he moved in with us. And that night we have four people playing mahjong. Normally we have bigger party, but that night I think it was it was a school night. So, so you know, like mahjong make a lot of noise, click clack, click clack, click clack, right? And then that was like right after midnight, and Vincent suddenly just burst out from his bedroom. 
with tears like running down his face and then like sweat. His face is like bright red. Like everyone was shocked because he was burst out out of nowhere. First thing he's like, why no one hear me screaming? I have been screaming the past hour, and no one come to help me. And he ran into the couch. He just covered himself with blanket because he said he's cold, and he just like shaking back and forth. This is midsummer; it's really hot, right? So one of the girls go to ask him if he's okay, but he doesn't answer. He just like shaking. A day after, he told me that he want to move out the house immediately. And I'm like, okay, you can move out, but I'm not going to give you a deposit back. He's like, I don't care about deposit. I don't care about the rent. I'm just going to move out. Okay, okay, okay. But at least you have to tell me what happened. So Vincent said that once he got off the school, he was so tired that he didn't even take off his pants or anything, and just facing up and then just pass out. And he woke up. And he heard us playing mahjong right in front of his door because it was so loud, but he he couldn't move his body at all. He's trying to move his finger, he's trying to move his toes, but he suddenly feel like someone is holding his right hand. He look right, and there's a tiny tiny hand grabbing his hand really hard. After he saw the hand, he was freaking out. He just screamed. He said he was screaming so hard, he felt like everything's hurting. Like he just keeps screaming and screaming and screaming. And then suddenly, that can just release him. He suddenly can't move, and he just burst out from his room. Then we, that's what we saw is that. After Vincent moved out, I started to notice odd behavior from my cats. The cats like to go walk to the staircase and just stare. It's not like it's just stare. It feels like it's they see something, and that's really creepy to be honest with you because my cat didn't do that before. I don't know how to say it. It just doesn't feel comfortable. The whole house just feeling really uncomfortable. To be honest with you, one night, right? It's also right after midnight. I was playing PS2, and Charlie was sleeping on the couch right behind me. I turned back and look at him, and then try and tell him something. And I saw his eyes was wide open, and his eyes wasn't blinking at all. The tears just keep running out of his face. Eyes just red. His mouth was drooling, and that's when the point. I'm like, okay, this is really terrifying. No one can keep the eyes open for that long. This whole period is probably like ten, fifteen minutes. I, his eyes was like wide open. I don't know what to do. I really don't know what to do. Like, what are you going to do with this kind of situation? So, I just call one one zero, which is you know nine one one in Taiwan. So I dial one one zero. The phone's ringing. He just suddenly slowly closed his eyes and started to snore, <sighs> like deep 
snore, like deep sleeping snore. I wake him up. I'm like, "Why? What, what are you doing?" He's like, "What are you talking about?" So after that happened, I just decided we should move out. I mean, by then I'm pretty sure that there's something wrong with this house. But you know, there was already March and the semester ended like in June. So I'm like, "Oh, we're going to wait for three months." So. In order to stay there for three extra months, and I don't want anything happen to us,、uh, I do the incense and paper money burning ceremony. Incense burning and paper money burning ceremony is very traditional part of the Chinese culture and a traditional part of the Taoism culture. It's、um, the way that we communicate with the dead. In Taoism, we believe that if we give money to the ghost, so they can use it in the other world, the ghost will leave us alone. It's like a bribe. So I go down to the corner store to buy the paper money, and I borrow a metal pot, and then we just set the pot、uh, right on the balcony. You basically throw all the paper money in there and burn it. And the sentan using the incense and saying your prayer, and the incense will carry your message. You know the smoke goes up, so it will carry your message to the heaven or the other world. You know, please accept our money. Please accept our、uh, message that we're going to move out. We want to just be peaceful with you. Please don't harm us. Basically, it worked really well. <laughs> it works really well. We should have done that long ago because. The whole atmosphere was just so much easier in every single room in the house. So that three months, everything was fine. Nothing really happened. Um, this is hard for me because this part is、uh, what I really see, right? So, um, the day we're moving out. I'm just going to have a last walk through the whole house, and just trying to make sure we don't. Left anything behind, you know, and suddenly I feel I should check under the staircase. There's a closet, you know, broom closet under the staircase. It was just so dark and so dusty in there. I opened it probably once or twice, but never really cared to go looking what's in there. So I opened the closet door and then. I climb under the stair. You know that is such a tight space. You can't basically have to climb into it. And I find a stack of sixteen millimeter film canister in there. And no one used sixteen millimeter film ever in Taiwan, so it was just so strange. I tried to open it and look at it in the closet, but I couldn't because it was dark. So I pulled them out in the living room. They were positive, so I just pull it out, pull the one strip out, and towards the light, and look the film through the light. That's how I able to see what was on that film. The subject was one girl. She looks probably like twelve, thirteen, but she has like a square face, big shoulder, two braided pigtails, all the way to her knee. And she 
was playing in the playground, which is like three, four blocks away from the house. She was on the swing, just only by herself. Like there was no playmate, no one on the street, and she didn't smile. She just stared into the camera, and I just saw that facial expression is something I would never forget. In her eyes, there was just so much anger. Even till this day, I can still feel that girl staring at me. I'm, I, I, I'm not. I'm very a、uh, skeptical person, but I, I did see that film. I'm pretty sure about that. So I was just looking at that film, and then, and, and Charlie would just like suddenly show up. He show up, so I show him the film, and I was like, "Is this the girl that you saw?" He was just like insist to just throw it away. He doesn't want to do anything with it. So we take it to the dumpster. We just dump it into the dumpster. I think she wanted to tell us something, and we didn't listen. I don't know if she really was haunted us, or she was just maybe she was also scared, but she wants someone to pay attention to her. But yes, I think that girl was the girl on the film was the girl walking around in that apartment. Comes from us from Mido Lee. Mido's a spook listener, and let me tell you, we love it when you share your terrifying tales of spook. Drop us a line. Let us know how you bumped into the inexplicable spookpodcast.org. Let the record reflect: we are running toward All Hallowed Eve, Halloween, pushing back the boundaries between the shadow and the darkness. Before it is too late. Tell everyone you know that the truth is out there. Spookpodcast.org. Real people, real stories. Be afraid. And if you dig your stories from the light of day, subscribe to our sister podcast, SnapJudgment.org. Spook is brought to you by that crash in the middle of the night, and produced by Mark Ristich, Anna Sussman, John Fasil, Eliza Smith. Our theme music. Was composed and performed by Pat Cedi Miller. Original soundscaping for this episode by Leon Morimoto. Now, you might move into a place that comes with kindly written instructions on what to do, when to take out the garbage, how to unplug the sink. But don't be fooled by their loopy, cursive script. Understand that no matter what it says on that scrap of parchment, remember. Never, ever, never, never, ever, never, ever, never, never, ever turn out the lights. This story was summoned in the dark of night by KQED and PRX.